Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Remember all those big dreams you used to have and then life made other plans? With a Mercedes-Benz Sprinter van, it's time to bring those dreams back. Start your own business or commit to van life with a Mercedes-Benz Sprinter van. Now, you could win the Mercedes-Benz Sprinter Mode 4x4 that we have. Enter the Dan Patrick Show Ultimate Camping Rig Sweepstakes. To enter, get official rules. Visit danpatrick.com or foxsportsradio.com. Have to do it by February 2nd for your chance to win. If you love to be remembered as the person who gives the best birthday gifts, I'm here to tell you that 1-800-Flowers.com is your ultimate birthday gifting destination. 1-800-Flowers has thoughtful and artfully created options that are guaranteed to deliver the best birthday surprise. Shop thousands of unique gifts at 1-800-Flowers.com for exclusive offers and great values. To order today, visit 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. That's 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. Hey, welcome in. Uh, it's your boy, Doug Gottlieb. You are listening to All Ball, the All Basketball Podcast. Dave Pilipovich is our guest this week. Fantastic story and storyteller as we go from Pittsburgh, PA, to the Air Force Academy and to infinity and beyond. Oh, I, I did. I did, in fact, go there. All right, let me give you a couple topics before we hop into our interview with Dave Pilipovich. Uh, first thing is, 
and I've heard this from a couple NBA people. You know, there are guys in the NBA, and I won't name names because that's not fun. I, it, it's more fun for you to guess. There are players that play to their stats and they want their stats to be so gaudy that they are all-stars. And so you start to wonder, hey, what is the line that we can cut off for a player to be an all-star? Because, you know, empty points are empty points. Like, you put up 30 a night, but if your team sucks, what, what does it actually matter? So I'm not going to pick – I just – there are guys you watch who can load up on the assist by holding it for an extra dribble or two dribbles um, that can score at dead points in the game that don't really affect the game but can help their plus minus as well and hope their overall point total. I just I almost wonder if for the NBA and I'm not a big NBA All Star Game guy like I can't remember the last time I watched the NBA All Star Game but it's the significance of it within the league. Are you going to reward somebody for just playing for stats? Are you going to award somebody who attains stats while getting wins? That would be the big challenge to me if I was voting for the All-Star game. As for the NBA, it's, it's really interesting in watching Kawhi Leonard go for 43 in less than 30 minutes. That guy's the best player in the NBA. If you haven't come around to it, you haven't been watching how he competes at the top level of the NBA. Does that mean they're going to win the Western Conference and win an NBA championship or compete? I, I don't know. Everything has to go right. And for the Clippers, generally, everything goes wrong. On the other hand, if it comes down to Kawhi versus LeBron at this point in their career, I'm going to take Kawhi Leonard. He's younger. He is incredibly efficient. He's been to those big spots before. He's been down before, and he's come back before. Not that you couldn't say the same thing about LeBron, but he is 34 years old. Uh, in, in regards to college basketball, it, it continues to be a turnstile at the top. But I'm I'm fascinated by some of these teams' offensive drafts. We saw Michigan State. We've seen Oklahoma State scored 101 points in their last five halves of basketball. You do the math on how bad that is. Um, West Virginia has held their last three opponents below 50 points. They're they're guarding people. I think it's a combination of the fact that they're, they're just the, the talent's too spread out, and there's not great talent at the top. The game has gotten back to being more physical. I think the you moving back to three point shot. I think really affects a three-point shot because nobody guys aren't line huggers. Huggers, they're shooting that ball at at an NBA distance, and they're not NBA shooters. And it gets I know the numbers dipped down, and then came back up, and then moved back last time. But now you've moved it what feels like a, a more substantial portion back, and I think that's a big cause for why scoring is down. All right, let's get to our interview on this podcast. It's Dave Pelopovich. He's the head coach of the Air Force. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. All right, so we welcome him in. He's the head coach of the Air Force Academy. Um, he's Dave Pilipovich. And, and, and Coach, I, I want to go back to the beginning, to the very beginning, not, not birth, to, but to the beginning. Um, <coughs> your first memory of basketball is what? You know, uh, being a, a youngster in a small town in Pittsburgh, watching our high school team play. What high school? Uh, probably, probably Duquesne High School, which is closed now. I was probably six years old, and my dad took me to the game, and I thought they were the best players around. And I thought the atmosphere and the excitement and watching them play was unbelievable and caught me at an early age. What What was your dad like? Uh hard worker, Pittsburgh town, um, high school education, but uh, owned a bar and little restaurant for 35 years and worked seven days a week. 
Steel Town Bar. Uh, the steel, you can come outside the bar and turn left, and you see the blast furnace. So the guys were in at seven in the morning drinking a shot and a beer, and in at two in the morning drinking a shot and a beer. We lived above it in an apartment, probably 700 square feet at the most. And that's where I was born and raised, and loved the Steelers, the Pirates, the Penguins. And uh, back in the day, the ABA, the Pittsburgh Pipers and Condors, knew a little bit about yeah. them, and uh, grew up that way. And I knew I didn't want to work and own the bar because he worked too hard. Seven days a week, you worked every day. And that's okay, so how did, how did you get drawn? Because, you know, Western Pennsylvania is a football area, right? Yeah. And, yeah, and, and, and like, your, your childhood is the golden era of Pittsburgh sports, as you point out, right? You had yep. uh, the We Are Family, Pittsburgh Pirates. You had the, the Steel Curtain. Um, why, why, why basketball? You know, basketball, I was a skinny little kid, slow, and couldn't guard a shot glass, right? So I, I could make a few shots. So I uh, played, you know, from seven-year-old, seven, seven and eight-year-old on up, uh, some high, local teams, and then junior high and all that. And uh, I just loved basketball. And then high school, I was a Division three recruit and went to uh, – committed to Bethany College in West Virginia. And the coach left in May and went to Mountain Union. Offered me the chance to go to Mountain Union, but I didn't visit, so I went to Teal College, which was not a basketball hotbed, poor program. But I was there, and I played for three coaches of four years. Dang. But my sophomore year, we had a coach by the name of Mike Griffin who just came from Colgate University, and he coached us for one year, and he just really made an impact on me because I wasn't a great student, didn't want to didn't want to study, just wanted to watch ESPN and go shoot ball, and that was it. And so he got me to where I could do better in school, and he made an impact on me. And I said, if I can do that to someone else, I want to do that. And as I graduated, I probably wrote to every college coach in the country for a GA position. I got one at a Division two school in Pennsylvania. And there okay, it started. Wait, you're, 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 but your you're, you're, you're speed, we got, we, got, we got time here. Okay, so Teal College, Teal College is an evangelical college, right? Lutheran, Lutheran school. Okay, so it's a Lutheran school. So, um, so okay, and it's in what, Greenville? So I'm, Greenville. I, I don't know. Okay, so I don't know where that is in relation to Pittsburgh. How far? Two hours north of Pittsburgh at the most. What was that? Well, so what's that like? You go from, like, you're in Steeltown, you live above a yep. bar, to this really quiet, peaceful, private Lutheran college. What, what, was, what do you okay. remember about that transition? You know, uh, we lived above a bar, so you, it, at night you heard the sirens of the police in, in a fire truck or maybe a, someone had too much to drink, throw a bottle against the building or so, and just noise. You always had noise and action. I get up there, and it's quiet. There's some farmland. It's from different areas. Because I was an inner-city kid. Uh, so it was a culture change at first. And then, you know, Division three program, you go, and you think you're the recruit. And you go, and there's 25 kids at the first workout, 25 guys for the first workout. Say, holy crap, you know, where's this going? And uh, but, it, but it worked out. It worked out. I met my wife there, so that's the, probably the best thing that happened. Why three coaches in four years? Well, coach, uh, the first coach we had, and it's a funny story, first coach we had, uh, he was there for a while, and he was coaching the golf team, assistant SID, and coaching basketball, and something happened when he and the AD got a little sideways. So he was also the tennis coach, listen to this. So at the end of the year, he's still employed, uh, and then maybe two weeks after the season, they told him they weren't going to bring him back, but he's still the tennis coach. Well, he only had five players on the tennis team. And he says, do you play tennis? And I said, well, you know, I hit it around. He goes, we have a match at Walsh College, which the head basketball coach was Bob Huggins at the time. He said, we have a match tomorrow. 
can you go? I said, do I miss school? He said, yeah. I said, I'll be there. So we go, <laughs> we play a tennis match. That was terrible. He spent the whole day with Coach Huggins in his office looking for a job opportunity. After the after the match, you know, you go, what, $6 to go to Burger King? And I'm sitting in the front row of the van, and he says, where do you guys want to eat? And I said, well, let's go to Ponderosa. You know, back in the day, Ponderosa, that was a big thing, right? He goes, we don't have that in a budget. And I swear to you, I looked at him, and I said, Coach, what are they going to do, fire you? And I thought he was going to take a swing at me. And he looked at me and said, you're right, we're going to Ponderosa. What's, what's his name? Excuse me? What was his name? Jim Borchick. Jim Borchick. He was from Barberton, Ohio, basketball hotbed in high school. He went back and became a very successful high school high school coach in that area. But uh, he was at Teal College for, for a time. I think he came from Marietta prior to that. Wow. Wow. Okay, so then uh, your second coach was the one who had an impact on you. What was his name? Mike Griffin. He came from Colgate, and at the time, he was at Colgate. He had the leading scorer in the country. I can't think of his name. A, a guard about six foot who led the country in scoring. And he was not renewed at Colgate, so he takes the job at um, Teal, and we were back. I mean, we were. I think we were 4-18 uh, and 18 that year, maybe, maybe somewhere around there. But he was really good. I started a couple games. He just was, uh, you know, be, on, be at practice on time, do the right things, go to class. I mean, he was doing all the right things and made an impact on me. So we had some kids from Cleveland that weren't doing the right things, and he disciplined them. That's how I got to start a few games, because when somebody got suspended, I got to start. But at the end of the year, he got the opportunity to go to RPI, Rensselaer Polytech Institute, Division Three, in Troy, New York. And he went there, and he ended up lasting maybe 30-some years coaching there. And then who was your next coach? Uh, Robert Posey Rhodes, who just passed away two years ago, was a great player, good player, good player at Wake Forest. Played back in the day at Wake Forest, about 6'6" can really score, skinny guy, funny, put a rub of snuff in during the games, and uh, he coached my uh, junior, senior year, and I was captain my senior year. How good were you guys? We we came from three wins my freshman year, three coaches, and you know those 26 guys, only myself and another freshman stayed through our senior years. And then our senior year, we played for the conference championship last game of the year against Hiram College in Ohio, and we got beat. So we made progress. All right, so you get done. You 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 write all these letters. You yeah, write all these oh, letters because yeah. you want. You, so so you want want to coach. So what was the? Uh, how did how did you get your first job? Well, I got it at Division two school, California University of Pennsylvania, about an hour from Pittsburgh at Division two school, and um, knew somebody who was a GA prior to that who put a good word in for me and. I worked the old Metro Index camp, which was big in the East. Five Star was obviously the king, and then Metro was probably second at that time. I worked those camps in the summer, got to know the coach a little bit, Tim Loomis, and uh, I was working the camp in July. Still didn't have anything, and after one day at camp, he uh, he said, "You want the job?" And I said, "Yeah." He goes, "All right, it's yours." And that was it. <laughs> that was it. And if and the camp counselor that year, that game, those those years, it was Tom Cream. He was a GA at Central Michigan. He was working the camp. Um, it was Jeff Van Gundy was a GA at Providence. Herb Sendick, uh, who was at Providence with Patino. And uh, Rob Kennedy, who ended up now runs the hoop group. He was at, he was at Columbia as an assistant. We used to play pickup. You know, we put the campers to bed. We'd play pickup at night. Wow. Wow, that is a, that is a small world. Okay, so what, what was it like coaching at California University in Pennsylvania? Oh my, you know, you did everything. You know, you're, they had one full time, they didn't have a full time assistant, excuse me. 
Juan Gabriel, Juan Gis, Selena, Selena, Celia Cruz, Azúcar, Carol G, La Bichota, Cristina Aguilera, Extina, just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my from this idea of what do, is that? Is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening that year the next year they did so you were basically a full-time assistant so you recruited and you know as a young guy you want to recruit sign everybody you want to sign top five kids in the country right and you realize you can't so um check study halls get the kids to class drive the vans uh wash the you know you did all that sweep the court so i'm there um we start and it's september and i'm going on my first recruiting trip to la plata maryland to go see a kid play and i tell coach Loomis I'm leaving I'll be back blah blah he goes well I won't see you when I'm back and I said well, what do you mean you won't see me he goes I just took a job at Bruce Parkhill at Penn State I'm leaving that's how he was I said you're what he goes don't worry you're good to your GA position you're fine he goes I'll call you on Sunday and he left he went to Penn State it was an assistant Bruce Parkhill and about a three-week process they hired Jim Boone um, he was an assistant at Baptist College it was Baptist back then now it's Charleston Southern and he came in, and we developed a great relationship and had a nice little run there for two years, and I got hired as a full-time. Stayed one more year. Did you know Amazon provides ways of working that fit your lifestyle? They know you value your time outside of work, juggling family, school, friends, or other activities. That's why they offer a variety of shifts that work for you. There are full-time, part-time, and even temporary opportunities that can work with your schedule, with great starting pay and sign-on bonuses. If you want a career that fits and adapts to your lifestyle, head to Amazon.com apply. Amazon is a proud equal opportunity employer. And we're live here outside the Perez family home just waiting for the... And there they go. Almost on time this morning. Mom is coming out the front door strong with a double-arm kid carry. Looks like Dad has the bags. Daughter is bringing up the rear. Oh, but the diaper bag wasn't closed. Diapers and toys are everywhere. Ooh, but Mom has just nailed the perfect car seat buckle for the toddler. And now the eldest daughter, who looks to be about 9 or 10, has secured herself in the booster seat. Dad zips the bag closed, and they're off. Ah, but looks like Mom doesn't realize her coffee cup is still on the roof of the car. And there it goes. Oh, that's a shame. That mug was a fam favorite. Don't sweat the small stuff. Just nail the big stuff. Like making sure your kids are buckled correctly in the right seat for their age and size. Learn more at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. If I could be you. And you could be me. For just one hour. If you could find a way. To get inside. Each other's mind. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. We've all felt left out. And for some, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Walk a mile in my shoes. And then where? Then Tim Loomis leaves Penn State and takes the head job at Florida Atlantic. They were just started the program the year prior and had a coach for one year, Lonnie Williams. But for some reason, he left after one year. Tim takes the job on the uh, prog- promise that they're going to go Division One, which we did. So we were Division Two for two years, and then Division One. And he offered me the head job at Florida. I mean, excuse me, the assistant job at Florida Atlantic. 
and I thought I was in the big time. I was going to make fourteen five and live in Boca Raton, Florida. <laughs> what was that like? And no health benefits. And no health benefits. No health benefits. That's that that that's no that's, that's crazy. So you, oh, so you go to Florida Atlantic in nineteen eighty nine. What what do you remember yeah. about about showing up there? Because you were assistant head coach so, there too. Like he yeah, he made some yeah. big promises. You know, beautiful place. Will Chamberlain had a restaurant there. Uh, you would see him around town. He would play tennis on our campus with our tennis players. So he was around. You know, Boca is just beautiful. The homes, the mansions, the gated communities. And here I come from living above a bar in a in a, in a bunk bed till I was 21 years old to, to live in a Boca. And uh was dating uh, my wife at the time. And I said, hey, I, I, we, need, we need more money for me to live down here. Why don't we push up our wedding? And we're engaged, get married. We got married in November, and she came down, and she worked in, in the banking industry and made a little bit more money than me and got benefits. So we made it work. Um, how was your teams? You know, we won 21 and 20 games we, the two years we were Division Two, And then we went Division One, and we would play 12 to 14 guaranteed games a year oh. and just for money, just to, for the golf team to get new golf balls and baseball. And they didn't have football back then. So we, it was murder. It was murder there for a while. We were, we, you know, we we would play West Virginia one night, then go to Pitt, and then then bust down to Louisiana and play Tulane. And uh, you know, the the Boris game, I think we played Memphis back when they were Memphis State, Penny Hardaway, and we got beat, I think, by fifty six. And uh, but but our second year's Division One program, we were zero and twenty one. Finally, beat Stetson University up in the land because we were moving into the Trans America Conference back in that day. Beat Stetson, and then two nights later, we go to NC State, and Les Robinson was a coach there. They were about sixteen and fifteen that year, somewhere just about the middle of you know five hundred. And we go to NC State, we're down twenty-one at halftime. We upset them by by two, and we win that game. So you know we finished that year two and twenty-five, I think, but with a win at an ACC school. What what is that like to coach a a, a team that's two and twenty-five? Like how how you know how do you? How do you handle that? How do you handle the emotions of losing? You know, how do you handle you're newly married, um, yeah. the kids? Like you learn, I mean, like, listen, you know, what is it? You're either winning or you're learning, right? You yeah. learned a lot. Yeah. What, do you, what do you learn most? You know, we had kids from all over. We had a former Navy SEAL who was 27 years old. We had a couple of guys from the Bahamas who said they were 24. They may have been 34. We had six junior college kids. We had a couple transfers, but great group and worked hard. But it was tough, you know, because you're going out and you're playing the money, the guarantee. We're at Auburn. We're at Memphis. We're at West Virginia. We're at Duquesne. We were at uh, uh, Iowa State. Uh, you know, you name it. USC. I mean, we, we were everywhere. Uh, Coach Ravling brought the USC team and played us actually in Florida, at West Palm Beach at the convention center, uh, which was nice of him to do that. But it was str- it was a struggle, you know. You know, you're, you're playing. A, you're playing a, at the end of practice. You're you're putting clock on the uh, time on the clock and playing a game just so you can get a winner. You know, just so a couple of the guys can feel good. But uh, to their credit, they were older. They were more mature, and it was a great place to live and go to campus uh, to be on campus there. So that part helped out. You know, if we were cold and there was 20 degrees and freezing and snow and all that, it could have been a lot rougher. But coming out of the gym and you know maybe losing 72 degrees in the palm trees that helped. Uh Okay, so so then you went to what, Georgia State? Georgia State, yeah, because we had our son Kyle in Florida. And, uh, you know, I was raised, my parents worked, but they worked at the bar. We lived right there. My Kelly, my wife, her parents, her mom was home. So we wanted 
because you're not home, as you know, as a college coach, you're never home. So we we took her off the payroll, and she stayed home to to take care of Kyle. By that time, I was making nineteen five. I, I got a big raise, but we wanted to have another child, uh, which we ended up having our daughter in, in Georgia. So I said, I got to get a job because I still don't have medical benefits. So I got the job at Georgia State as an assistant for thirty thousand and and full medical, and that was big time. And so then we had our second child, Kelsey, down in Georgia, and it worked out. Um, who'd you work for at Georgia State? Carter Wilson, one of the greatest guys I've ever been around. Uh, he was an assistant. He was a longtime high school coach at Decatur High School in Georgia. They were usually top 25, one of the top five teams in USA Today. He took over for Bob Bob Reidhart, who was an NBA guy with the Hawks organization. He was at Georgia State. Carter took over. I was with Carter for two years there, and then the opportunity came. Jim Boone stayed at California after I left. was very successful in Division Two. Got the Division One job in Pittsburgh at Robert Morris. Offered us an opportunity to come back home and uh, be back with grandparents and all that. And it was too hard to pass up, so we moved back to Pittsburgh for a while. All right, so you, you come back, and now you're in Pittsburgh, where you grew up. 19, yeah. 1996, you're at Bobby Moe. What was the program like? Bobby Moe. You know, the program was down a little bit. Jared Dorham was there and was successful. Went to the NCAA tournament uh, a few times, and... Uh, you know, they had some good programs at Rob Morrison, but it hit the uh, some tough times. They made a change, and Jim was brought in because he was in the area, ultra-successful Division Two, a couple of Final Fours. But it was, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, facilities weren't great. Budgets weren't great. <clears throat> You're in a Northeast Conference. But it was a chance that he wanted to be a Division One coach and to be in the same recruiting area where he was. But And we were happy to go home. But at the time, I was making now 36 at Georgia State, and I didn't tell Kelly I took the job at Robert Morris for 30. And uh, until we got there and got our first paycheck, she goes, what, what's, what are we doing? I said, well, we're not going to make as much as we used to, but we're home. <laughs> How'd she and, take that? Uh, you know, she said, you know, here we go, here we go. But we were bad the first year. I think we were 3-26. and 26. And then we got some better recruits, and we took an LSU transfer, a kid out of Beckley, West Virginia, by the name of Gene Neighbors. And Gene led us to, in four years, he led us from three wins to uh, the conference championship game our, his senior year against Central Connecticut State that year, and they beat us obviously in the championship. And uh, then we moved on to Eastern Michigan after that. Okay, wait, wait, wait. You're like you you you, you do this this thing in, in fast forward. Okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you how do you how do you go from three wins? Like what what is the what is the process like? Of I mean, you know, because that building is really really difficult, right? It I mean, it's just really it really difficult, and it's more than just getting one transfer. You come in, yeah. you're at you're at home, and you know you're you're trying to 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 make it work. What was the? Because I'm I'm looking at your stats from 1996, Jim Boone, the head coach. You're four and four and twenty three. Your first year, four twenty three. Yeah, yeah, right. Second year, you're yep. eight and and nineteen. Keith Jones and uh, is it Niall Phelan is your your two leading yeah. scores? Yeah, and, right. Irish and then you then you win then you win then you win eight, right? Uh, then yep. your third year, you add in Gene Neighbors to Keith Jones yep. and Kevin Covert, and yep. now you finish fifteen and twelve. And then, uh, and then your fourth year, you're you're eighteen and twelve. Um, t- what what do you remember about the pro? Like, what was what kind of coach was Jim Boone? What did he run? How what was his uh, philosophy? Yeah, very very good man to man defensive coach, uh, pack line defense. So he gapped everything, did pressure the ball. Really good help defenders. 
and a motion team. Really spread the floor, four guys out, single post, a lot of screening, a lot of back screening, down screening, a lot, lot like the Indiana teams when Alford played uh, with Coach Knight. You know, we would go to Indiana every year and watch practice and, and watch film and ran a lot of Coach Bennett's defensive stuff well, when he was uh, coaching back in Wisconsin back then, and then a lot of Bob Knight's motion. But we got some better players. You know, Gene being a transfer from LSU, Covert was a transfer from Akron. Um, Chris Hopkins, a 6'9", Juco transfer out of uh, Santa Fe Community College in Florida. And um, we added uh, the City League Player of the Year from Pittsburgh, uh, Neron Jackson, 6'5", ball-handling guard. So we had some good players, too, that, that, that helped us get better in that league. <clears throat> okay, so then you go to Eastern Michigan. Uh, yeah. That's in yeah. Ypsilanti, Michigan. Yeah, but, you ever been there? I have. I actually ABCD yeah. camp was there. Um, yeah. yeah, in the mid nineties. In the in the mid nineties, Ben Braun did a great job at Eastern Michigan. He, he did he do a great. Did, he did do it. Did do a great job. When phenomenal. when you showed up there, what was it like? Ah, uh, gosh, it was. Um, <clears throat> well, we have Antonio Gates. Okay, going to be a Hall of Fame tight. You know, former tight end with the Chargers, right? Hall of Famer. So Antonio Gates is on our team. He was the State Player of the Year in football in uh, in Michigan goes to Michigan State to play football for uh, Coach Saban. He's academically ineligible. He's a partial, you know, prop at that time. The, the term was used, so he sits out. He leaves Michigan State to come play basketball at Eastern. So he's there at that coaching change. He didn't play yet, so we inherit Antonio, and he's a uh, he's practicing with us in the spring and our football coach at the time who was newly hired says this kid's gonna play on Sundays in football. And you know, so come on, you know, is he that good? So we really never get to coach him because academically there were some things he just wasn't strong right there that semester and he decides to go out west to a JUCO to play basketball. Then the story goes, you know, he goes to Kent State and play uh, basketball leads him to an Elite Eight and then the the rest is history, uh, which is funny though. He worked camp for us that year. He was still with us, and I'm pretty sure we paid him. I'm pretty sure we paid him his camp fee. But through a mutual friend out in L.A. years later, he's playing for the Chargers. Where he runs into him and he said, "They mentioned my name." And he said, "You tell him he still owes me my camp check." Uh, so you I never said, paid him. <laughs> you know, we paid him. We paid him. I, he was joking. I said, "You tell Antonio he owes me an autographed jersey." And I swear to you, probably about six, seven days later, I get a FedEx package here, and um, I got a San Diego Chargers autograph, eighty-five, hanging up in my in my in my office, uh, signed by Antonio Gates. Um. Okay. Uh, so. Uh, so you're one in seventeen in league, three in twenty-five, yeah. and you're like, oh shit, yeah. what did we do? Right. Yeah. You're you're at yeah. home in Pittsburgh, and now you're in Ypsilanti, Michigan. Um, yeah. How do you go about trying to fix it? You know, it was hard. You know, Eastern didn't have a great academic reputation. And Eastern Michigan is on the same Washtenaw Boulevard, same road as the University of Michigan. You run the big house at Chrysler Center into the Convocation Center at Eastern on the same road, five miles apart. So your fan base is all Michigan. You know, even if Michigan's away at Purdue and you're playing East, uh, Western at home, they're going to stay home and watch what, uh, Michigan on TV. So it was hard to draw people. The new convocation center was a couple miles away from 
Juan Gabriel, Juan Gis, Selena, Selena, Celia Cruz, Azúcar, Harold G, La Bichota, Cristina Aguilera, Extina, just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go, like, how do I detach from my this idea of, what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. From the middle of campus, when Coach Brown was there, they played at the old place right in the middle of campus, and he had it rolling, had some great players. That Sweet 16 run he had. It was hard to get it going. The MAC is a really good league. I, I kind of take it as, you know, everybody's close to each other, about two hours apart. Some schools are 30 minutes apart, Bowling Green and Toledo. But you're all trying to stay, you're all in the same neighborhood trying to date the same girl, you know, so you're all recruiting the same players. And we just never really got over the hump there. It was, it was a hard sell, but we were there, I think, five years. Yeah, five years. Hmm. Doug Gottlieb uh, and uh, Dave Pilipovich is, is joining us. Hard five years. What, what, yeah, what, but the best part, you know, I could talk to your dad quite a bit during that time. What do you remember? Because like, my – I'll tell you from the other end what it was like, okay? Yep. So yep. at this time, you know, I'm – done playing in college and I'm playing overseas, whatever. And whenever I'm around my dad, you know, he's calling coaches like you, I got, I got a guy, you know, and all of his guys who are available are better than anybody in your program. Right. Right. Um, yeah. right. Which is like, well, why are they still available, Bob? But, yeah. um, yeah. you know, like, okay. So like, let's take a, um, uh, Marcus Austin was a good player for you. Right. Kid from white plains. Yep. Yep. White plains, New York. Yeah. How'd you, how, how do you go about what – what do you remember about the recruiting process of a Marcus Austin? Well, I was recruiting Marcus um, – what is it, Robert Morris. He was a White Plains. Uh, Spencer, Spencer, gosh, his high school coach was a part-time scout with Utah Jazz and close with Jeff Van Gundy. Met him at a clinic. Uh, Troy, I mean, at White Plains, New York. And so Marcus was 6'5", just long arms, just built – looked like a basketball player. Shoot the ball extremely well. And sold him on the fact that come to Eastern, he was recruited by some of the other MAC, the Siennas, the Ionas, that type. But try, get him out of New York, come to Eastern, play in that facility. And back then, you had some pros. You know, you had the Bonzi Wellses who came out of the MAC. You had, uh, um, what's his name, from OU, uh, whose son's playing now in the NBA. I'm, I'm blank right now. But you had some really good players uh, coming out of the MAC who went on to play in the NBA. Um, so we sold him on that. He came. He had a good visit there. The facility was really good. We had a practice gym at the time, which not a lot of people had. So it looked good, and we sold him to come. And Marcus Brand, and Brandon Hunter, started. by the way. Are you talking about Brandon Hunter Yeah, from OU? Brandon Hunter, yeah. yeah. Yep, okay. yep. Yeah. And so the Mac, you know, the Mac had some great coaches uh, back in the day. You know, you had you – had, uh, Jim Buckley, who was at Ball State, who had that run in Hawaii, who beat what Kansas and Duke consecutive days or, or so, and then you had Dockage at, at Bowling Green, you had Jay Smith at Central, you had Larry Hunter and Charlie Coles at Miami and OU, um, Dan Hipshire, who did a great job at Akron. I mean, there there were some really good coaches in that league, old school coaches. Yeah, old school coaches is right, right. Yeah. Get right to the romance and find the way to wow this Valentine's with one eight hundred flowers dot com. From classic roses and bouquets to decadent chocolate-covered berries, gourmet treats, and more. Surprise your Valentine with 1-800-Flowers.com. Right now, get the 18-stem Enchanted Rose Medley for $39.99 or upgrade to 24 red roses for $10 more. 
Go to 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. That's 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. What grows in the forest? Trees? Sure. Know what else grows in the forest? Our imagination, our sense of wonder, and our family bonds grow too. Because when we disconnect from this and connect with this, we reconnect with each other. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Look through your children's eyes to see the true magic of a forest. It's a storybook world for them. You look and see a tree. They see the wrinkled face of a wizard with arms outstretched to the sky. They see treasure and pebbles. They see a windy path that could lead to adventure. And they see you, their fearless guide to this fascinating world. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. So again, like this is the, what are the, because you guys did get better, you know? Like you didn't get, we got better. Yeah, I mean, you went from yeah. terrible to solid, Fine. and then obviously yep. the last la, last year, when when you know you're the, you're in the fifth year of a five year yep. run, and you're struggling mm-hmm. in a really good league. Yeah. Like, at, are you already looking for the next job? Like, what is it? And and you also, my brother's has been encountered this. You hadn't been a head coach yet, so it's not like you can. Hey, I got head coaching experience. What are the conversations like between you and your wife? Yeah, and at that time, you know, that last year, we started out, I believe, 10-3. and three. We had a post player out of Chicago by the name of John Bowler, who really became a good player at Eastern Michigan. Yeah, 6'8", six, eight, six, eight junior, averaged 13-6 yeah. and six by the end of the year. What, did he get hurt? Is that what happened? Yeah, herniated his disc and his back, so he was done. And then we went downhill after that because he was the heart and soul of us and really tough. He's assistant now at uh, Wisconsin-Milwaukee, or University of Milwaukee. He's an assistant there now. But he was a really good player for us. We recruited him. Uh, going back a little, recruited him and got him basically to almost commit on September 10th. Uh, the next day, I drove to Muncie, Indiana to recruit a kid and woke up in a Marriott there and was on the treadmill and the TV's on, and that was when the towers were hit. I'll never forget that I was at Bowler's house the night before, and then we brought him on a campus uh, a few weeks later. They drove over and he committed. But uh, you, you always ask where you are, you know, the 10th or 11th, especially on the 11th. I was in Chicago at Bowler on the 10th and 11th in Muncie recruiting when when our world changed. But, uh, yeah, so we had conversations with my wife, and I always wanted to be a Division three head coach. There's a ton of Division three schools in Pennsylvania and Ohio. I thought it would be a great thing to be a coach and raise your family and be home and not the the, the recruiting that's crazy at Division one level. And I applied for some Division three jobs, and a lot of times you know, get through the interviews, and the answer was we didn't want a Division one assistant. We wanted somebody who came up, and I said, well, I played Division three. I started Division two. But no, you're right. Division One assistant, and you'll leave right away. And I and I was I was upset by that because I didn't get some opportunities. So then you're wondering what's what's next. You know, where do you go next? And uh, developing a relationship with the Michigan staff because we were right there uh, down the road. We played them, and then when things didn't um, keep us at Eastern, I was able to just move down the road and, and take part in Tommy Amaker's staff at Michigan. So it's interesting because you know. Jim was somebody that you had known for a long time, right? I mean, you'd yeah. going back yeah. to the Pittsburgh days, you'd work with him at Robert Morris, you work with him at Eastern. So that's like nine years working with the same guy. Yeah. So you, know, you guys are like, you know, um, you know, fingers in a hand, or I don't even know what, whatever yeah. expression you want to. Tommy, you had, 
you know, obviously sharing the same state, obviously, and that people right. know that you know ball and you can recruit. But you, he's a Duke guy, you know. They're 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 yeah. different. You show up yeah. at Michigan first. How yeah. did he offer you the job? How did that go down? Well, you know, he had an opening, and it was a, it was a, a operations guy, assistant to the head coach type operations uh, administrative role. The, the, the first year I was there, and uh, he had an opening. Somebody moved on, and through a mutual friend and getting to know him, and um, he calls and says, "Hey, let's get together and talk." And he, as you know, Tommy's really laid back and casual. And Tommy says, "Hey, just you know, don't dress up. Just come over. Let's get together four o'clock Tuesday afternoon." And you know, I show up in a, in a in a blue suit with amazing blue tie, right? And you know, nice. he said, "Well, nice I really appreciate that." And I said, "Well, that's, that's what you do." And we talked for a couple hours, just kind of hit it off. And next day, I'm up and at the house on the treadmill, and he caught the phone number comes in. I know it's him, and I get off for quick. And he goes, "Hey, you ready to be a Wolverine?" And I said, "Yes, I am." So it was awesome, you know. And then got a chance to go instead of turning out of the driveway right to go to Eastern, I turned left to go to Ann Arbor, and it was it was great. So you didn't move. No, didn't move because we lived right in between Ann Arbor. And like you said, they're five miles apart. We were right in the middle. So instead of going two and a half miles one way, I went two and a half miles the other way. So, and I'm, I would guess you're making more money? Yes, yes, yes. Making a little bit more money. The greatest deal ever. Ever. You, you, go, you go from, you go from and, and I know that at the time, and I've, I've had long discussions with Tommy about it, is uh-huh. you know, at the time they were resource depleted, right? People don't understand yeah. what yeah. Michigan, you know, Michigan was all reputation. Um, yep. And, uh, you know, on, on the other hand, you know, it's still, there's still huge expecta- huge expectations, but you go from no resources, you know, really yep. competitive league with, with a name that doesn't resonate to Michigan and Tommy Amaker. Uh, so your yeah. first year was your first year was was which which season? It was uh, gosh, I want to say oh four oh five. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So oh four oh five. You do have some good players, right? You have Chris yeah. Hunter. You have Courtney yeah. Sims. You have Dion Harris. Okay, but yep. it's still remember they're they're still rebuilding from NCAA probation. So, yeah. but again, you've worked with one guy for nine years. I'm fascinated by this. Yeah. What what was different about Tommy Amaker, his style, his coaching? He is uh he he's a really good coach. Really good coach, but a better person. He's unbelievable. Unbelievable I mean, he guy. Could, yes. Cuz you could have a custodian walk in and he's in the biggest meeting or film session or whatever and a custodian will walk in and he'll say hello to him. You know, or he'll thank him for taking the trash out. He's unbelievable in that regard. Thanks everybody, appreciates everybody. His preparation was really good. His relationship with the... Juan Gabriel. Juan Gis. Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Harold G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Ex-Tina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph! 
Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Thurow Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my from this idea of what do, is that? Is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening players was above and beyond i mean the respect and the discipline doing it without cussing cursing throwing things and all that he was just he he he, he demanded and he got the uh, the room attention as soon as he walked in he was really good i mean he was it was amazing it was amazing how he was and uh it was just a joy to be around i, I always tell him i wish it was because he and i are still close to this day i wish it was longer but I learned so much from him. And there's still, to this day, you know, Jim and I are really still close, and the coaches I've worked with. But Tommy, I always tease him that whenever I make an important decision, I said, I always say, what would what would T.A. do? You know, what would T.A. do? And he goes, come on. I said, oh, I always do. And, and he was he was unbelievable about that. You know, we're going, that year we we started out 6-2 and two in the Big Ten, and we're ranked 16th in the country. 
Then we have some injuries, and we go two and six on the back end of the Big Ten, finished eight and eight, and we're the last team out. So we get the number one seed in the in the NIT, and we end up going to the championship game where we lose to Ronaldo Balkman and South Carolina. But as we're heading to uh, we're heading to New York uh, for the Final Four in the NIT, and we're on the charter, getting ready to get on the charter. The families came. Our son Kyle at the time, I believe, maybe had been eighth grade, seventh grade, was a big Duke guy, and JJ Reddick was his guy. And Tommy walks on the plane with a with a bag, and he throws it at Kyle, and he says, "Here, but don't open it till we land." And you know, Kyle's nervous. When he opens it, it's an autographed JJ Reddick shirt. You know, to this day, he still has. You know, Kyle's twenty seven now, works for USA Basketball. He still has the JJ Reddick shirt. But Tommy was just so thoughtful of everybody. Yeah. Made sure everybody was comfortable. Everything was in place. And game big. The bigger the game, the better he was in the locker room in pregame. He he was really really good. I thought. What was it like when he was let go? You know, we just the second year, and, and we weren't as good that year. And we uh, and, and and I think there was a story they wrote in Ann Arbor, Coach Beeline. Um, we're beating Ohio State at home. They're number one in the country, and they had that remarkable team with Odin Conley. And I think we're up six, and we get a dunk at the rim with Courtney Sims, who had a cup of coffee for some teams in the NBA. And Sims misses the dunk, and they go on a run, and we lose to Ohio State at home. And you win that game, we're in the NCAA tournament, everything's fine. You lose that game, and you know, we win the first game in the Big Ten tourney and lose the second one. And we go to the NIT, we win the first game at home. I think we beat Utah State that year at home. Then we go to Tallahassee and play Florida State. And we lose and on a Thursday. Come home on Friday. You're in the office Saturday morning. I'm in the shower early. I'll never forget it. Ready to go to the office. My wife hollers in. Says, "Coach is on the phone," and that's never good. I get off. He goes, "You know, bad news, Dave. You know, AD brought me in this morning. Called me in. I just met him, and, and he's let me go." He goes, "Can you can you come in?" I said, "Yeah, I'm on my way." And you know, and I I felt so bad for him because he didn't deserve it. He said, "Our locker room leaked. We had to practice in a rec center." Clark Chrysler was terrible. Our offices were a, a mile away. Uh, it was just bad. It wasn't where it yeah. is now. Well, and, no, I mean uh, that, that's that's the thing is you didn't get to, and I you I know did. and in in talk and like look, I I will readily admit I was at uh, ESPN at the time, and I yeah. it was very early in my career at ESPN. And, and, and I'll get back to you for a second. That ESPN with you and Tom Brennan, that was the best. You know, it's, 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 I've, I've never, I've never talked about this and this, it's, 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 I'm glad you brought that up. So yep. what's fascinating about this, and this is where, uh, you know, like I, I don't know, I struggle sometimes with our business. So yeah. I felt like Tom Brennan was an absolute prince. I mean, he's, uh-huh. he's funny. He's affable. Yeah. He had, ex- yeah. he had no ego. Now he was put yep. in a, in a situation where, which is really hard, where he had coached at one place, I think for 18 years. Okay. Yep. So, and, and you know this when, when you're at Vermont for 18 years, yep. it's we not like, you know, all, and you don't know all the players. You don't know all the, no, co- like no. not, only, not only is a coach at Vermont, but he's also doing a radio show. So yeah. Yeah. when he wasn't coaching, he was doing his radio show. And then he's like the mayor of Burlington, Vermont. So when he got there, you know, like his first couple of years, he struggled with like, he didn't, he didn't know all the players. And I've been doing it forever. You know, like yep. as a kid and growing up, and I had I had only covered really national stuff. Look through your children's eyes to see the true magic of a forest. It's a storybook world for them. You look and see a tree. They see the wrinkled face of a wizard with arms outstretched to the sky. They see treasure and pebbles. 
They see a windy path that could lead to adventure. And they see you, their fearless guide through this fascinating world. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. What grows in the forest? Trees? Sure. Know what else grows in the forest? Our imagination, our sense of wonder, and our family bonds grow too. Because when we disconnect from this and connect with this, we reconnect with each other. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Adoption of teens from foster care is a topic not enough people know about, and we're here to change that. I'm April Dinwiddie, host of the new podcast, Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Each episode brings you compelling real-life adoption stories told by the families that live them with commentary from experts. Visit adoptuskids.org slash podcast or subscribe to Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Administration for Children and Families and the Ad Council. Uh, at, at some point, like his whole thing was like, he not only did he sometimes not know about every player, but he didn't give a shit and it, it yeah, worked. Yeah. <laughs> and our problem yeah. was like our bosses at the time, our bosses at the time were like, well, Tommy only, t- here's, I, I swear to God, this actually happened. I had a boss uh-huh. who came in after a halftime segment and he said, Doug, you talk for a minute and 42 seconds, Tommy, you talk for 47 seconds. That's not acceptable. Uh-huh. And I said, um, I, I will not share this gentleman's name because I actually like him. Uh, right. I said, um, oh, what's your point? He's like, well, you're dominating the conversation. I said, no, I, I don't actually see it that way. I said, was it good? He's like, well, that's not the point. I go, no, that actually is. The, the point of television is, were you entertained? Yeah. Did you change the channel? It's I- halftime. Right. If I'm watching a yep. game, it goes to halftime. I got to be really fucking entertained or I'm going to change yep. the channel um, and watch a different game because there's a million games on. I was like, yep. were you entertained? He's like, I, that's not the point. I go, you're, you're missing the point. Tom's deal yeah. was he would say, you know, like uh, Dave Revson was our host and, and Rever would yeah. come in yeah. and, and, and Rever would say, TB, what, you know, he's got a big game tonight. It's Duke versus, you know, uh, North Carolina. What would you tell your team? And, and Tommy would say like, like, I tell him, oh, let's go have some fun. We'll go have a steak afterwards. Who gives a shit, right? Like, he would literally yep. say that on TV, and we'd be laughing, and I'd, I'd go into some basketball stuff, and it worked. But it, it's really amazing on how oftentimes, I, I thought, I, I still believe to this day, Tom Brennan should have been, should have been the, um, the Lee Corso of, yeah. of, of college basketball. And yep. for whatever reason, and, you know, I mean, I, it, it, it just, it broke, broke my heart because they never told him anything and then they didn't renew him. And, wow. you know, I mean, in all candor, I had people tell me about, well, you know, you made Tom look bad. Like, no, we played off each other. Like I was the yeah. bat, former player dork who pushed the envelope and he was the old coach who just had a great time. I thought yeah. it was real. I appreciate you saying, it. I thought it was really good. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, I loved yeah, it. I just, thought it was great. My wife loved it. Yeah, we, we used to talk all the time. And I knew Tom a little bit, you know, but I thought it was great. I, I really did. I was so disappointed he, he, when it he, didn't continue. Dave, he's as authentic a person, like as a good yeah. dude, as you will yeah. ever as you will ever find. And I listen, I and, and here's just another little quick aside, because I know basketball people listen to this pod. 
they named the court after him in the old gym. They opened yeah. a new arena this year, and his name's not on the court. That's wrong, man. Like, Vermont's not oh, Vermont without Tom Brennan Court. And, yeah, you know, like, they're right. doing a great job there. His his name needs to be yeah. on the court. So, oh, so, I'll, so here's, here's what I, I'll uh, – full disclosure, I'm on yeah. ESPN. I remember Tom got fired, and Tommy got fired. Yeah. And yeah. – and what I said was like, look, there's, I don't know, 73 uh, programs at the, you know, Big 12, Big 10, SEC, ACC, and and uh, what, what, what league am I forgetting? Uh, Big East at the time. And they were one of, you guys were one of like two or three that hadn't made the tournament during his time there. And I said, I Correct. think, you know, that's really, unfortunately, why Tom lost yep. lo- lost his job. But in no in, in in his defense, like... Unless you were at Michigan and understood one what the sanctions did and two, like you don't get to see the new arena, you don't get to see the new practice facility, you don't get to benefit like you build all this shit up yep. and then they 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 yep. whack you. And yep. you know, look, the guy won at Seton Hall and the guy's won at Harvard, where no one has ever won before. And but so if Right. Amazing. Like amazing. So just the, the idea that he wasn't going to turn the corner at Michigan and beeline did an amazing job because he's a great coach, right? Uh, This isn't an anti beeline rant, but it is fascinating on how you get that new arena and they have expectations. Like let, let the guy at least coach in the new building before you whack him. You're, you're exactly right. I mean, what he's done at Harvard and brought the, he's le, he's raised the whole level of the play in the Ivy League because of that. The, the whole the whole yeah. league has changed. the The yeah. whole league yeah. has changed because of and I called their first their first win ever in the NCAA tournament. It was like amazing. And you have you went. I mean, obviously, like, huh? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was exactly. I, I was it was uh, Laurent Rivard. He played Laurent Rivard yeah. at the four, and. Yeah. And Steve Alford would play his two bigs, and yep. their, the, the four men no couldn't effort. go out, couldn't go out and cover Rivard. And Rivard hit like four threes, and yep. New, New Mexico got super super tight. They were a really good club, and what yep. uh, I mean, it wasn't just a win; it was a coaching win. Like I felt like yep. he coached his way to a win by finding one mismatch uh, on yep. the floor that he was able to exploit. Yep, you know, and, 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 the, and that New Mexico team was really good. They were 12th in the country. Last Mount West Conference game of the year, we played them here at home, down 16 early and beat them by two. And we played a kid out of Roswell, New Mexico, came off the bench for us, Mark Olasinski, who was undersized yeah. four or five, and we did that. He made five threes against them that helped us get back in the game and then eventually beat them. And that was their last regular season game. Then they went on to win the Mount West tournament and then – you know, Harvard beats them in the NCAs with a great win. How'd you get to Air Force? How'd that happen? Well, I, I um, uh, so we get released. They go through the process of what they're doing. They hire Coach Beeline, and um, he comes in, and uh, I was a member of the staff. He offered me a contract to stay, and we were going to go month to month. And because uh, a couple of his assistants from West Virginia didn't come yet, they were involved in head coaching jobs, and so. Uh, I said, Coach, I really appreciate it. You know, married two children. Uh, I need a job. I said, but I'll do respect. I'm going to call Coach Amaker because my loyalty is to, to him and see if it's okay with him. And he goes, I respect that. I really do. So I called Coach Amaker. He goes, yeah, Dave, you got to do that. If you could stay on, if I can help you, whatever, you need to do that. 
So I stayed on um, with Coach Beeline. We went through some recruiting, did some workouts. I think the thing impressed Coach Beeline, he called me on Easter morning. He was back in West Virginia. You know, he's a big Catholic churchgoer every day. And he called me right before he's going to church. I think it's 6 in the morning. And my phone's always on. It, it, he calls, I pick up, and he goes, what are you picking up for? I'm, I wanted to leave you a message. Happy Easter. And he wanted to run something by me, and I, I answered it. And he came back. He was, I, I, I appreciate you. You know, picking up, and I said, "Well, coach, you got to be on. You know, you got to be on." So we worked together. He was great. He was great. And then, but I didn't feel, I didn't feel like a part of it. You know, when mm-hmm. people are coming by the office now, and hey, you're going to turn this thing around. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. You know, the players will say something different too, right? And all that. And you, you kind of feel like that stepchild, right? And uh, I, if I could have stayed, I, you know, if I didn't have anything else, I probably would have stayed. Uh, but then. Uh, this job that's a hard that's a hard deal because so 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 my 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 brother this is kind of interesting about the same time yeah my brother was at san diego state for eight years and um and so and i i should probably have him on to i I had to tell this story but and i'm he's gonna maybe i don't know he'll be pissed so he had he had developed a relationship with ben braun um yep you know on recruiting trail and ben had a relationship with my dad and so he loved San Diego and San Diego state and he loved working for Steve Fisher, but people have to remember at the time, Brian Dutcher was Steve Fisher's right hand man. So he was, that was whenever coach Fisher decided to retire and Mark Fisher was on the staff. This is before Mark uh, was diagnosed with ALS. And so Greg was like, you know, look, no one at that point had the mountain West hadn't blown up to the point where guys were getting head coaching jobs. You had to get to the pac 10 and he had a relationship. He met his wife when he was at Sac State and she lived in San Francisco. So they always loved Northern California. So, yep. Juan Gabriel. Juan Gis. Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Harold G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Extina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story from rags to riches and all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. 
Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my from this idea of what do, is that? Is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. And Braun had tried to hire him a couple times over. He goes and takes the job. And then seven months in, they finish in ninth place and, you know, lose on a, like a crazy tip in at UCLA. And they finish in ninth place with two pros at Cal and the league gets like seven teams in or something. Anyway, Braun gets fired and he ended up staying with uh, Mike Montgomery being the only guy and, you know, he he ran the benefit of Monty didn't come from another program, so he didn't have a list of assistants and Monty hadn't been yeah. recruiting for four years, you know, so Greg was a recruiting coordinator. But but and then, you know, when Monty retired, Conzo kept him for a couple of months. So I, I, I know the feeling of what you're saying, where you're you're kind of yeah. hanging around and you're you're part of it, but you're not part of it. And right. especially when right. you get fired, that all the yeah. all everybody who used to be your friend is now coming in saying, ah, you'll be better than, than the last guy. You're like, yeah. wait, wait, I was here when the last guy exactly. was there. I, we weren't bad. Like it's a, okay. So how did the air force thing take place? Well, then, uh, Justin Dalek leaves and goes to Colorado, leaves the air right. force, goes to Colorado. They go through a long time of hiring, not hiring. And then they end up hiring, uh, Jeff Reynolds at the time, who was an assistant here out of his Bizdelic, but went to Colorado with him, and then they brought him back. I've known Jeff, you know, from back in camp days when he was an assistant at Randolph-Macon back in the 90s. Uh, had some mutual friends and knew him, and we stayed in touch always through the years. You know, you talk to coaches, and he reached out and said he had an opening. He's looking at some guys. Would I be interested? I said, yes. Another couple of days, he said, you know, are you still interested? Yes. Another couple of days, we interviewed on the phone. Um he offered me the job on the phone. And I took it. You know, we never lived 
you know, this far west. Never, I was out here in '91 for the Final Four when when UNLV beat uh, Duke, and that was the only time I've been in Denver, this area. And came out, and then uh, I said, "Here, here we go." So we moved on out, and and that's where we've been since. Okay, so you show, but but the Air Force Academy is a is a different place. Different. I mean, obviously, Colorado Springs is 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 amazing, is beautiful, yeah. um, uh, and. And and it, the whole academy lifestyle is is very different. And what people I think forget yeah. about Buzz is you know it was it was Joe Scott who got it going, right? And I right. remember when Joe Scott first kind of got it going at Air Force before yeah. they really won. Before you guys yeah. won, my brother's like, hey, you know who's going to be good in a couple years is the uh-huh. Air Force because yeah. he's like, look, they 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 actually have good players. And the Princeton right. stuff works. They're playing in altitude. Yep. And, yep. you know, everybody else has – everybody else in this league is taking, you know, a lot of, a lot of chances with, with transfers. And, like, they just have good, hardworking kids. And I'm telling you, he's like, I bet they make the NCAA tournament a couple of years. And, wow. And, and, and this was, like, very, very early on. And I was covering the league at the time. And then, yep. um, and then Mooney got the job, and it kind of – it, it kind of took off. You, you didn't get there till kind of the tail yeah. end of it. Right. I, and, and yeah. part of it was buzz as good a coach as buzz was a very good coach. He wasn't yeah. really a Princeton guy. So he kind of ran some of it, but didn't have the same passion for it. And he didn't have a, a real passion for recruiting. So I, I felt like he didn't leave you with the cupboard full. Not that air force is an easy place to recruit to anyway, uh, sure, what do you sure. so? But then there's the academy. So you show up. What's the first day of work like at the Air Force Academy you know, for a guy who's been small schools, big schools, all in the Midwest? You know, you come through the gate. First of all, you've got to show credentials to get through the gate. So they're checking. Uh, they you know pop the trunk and make sure you don't have anything because you're not on the you don't have a government card yet because you're not through the process. So you're as a visitor, and they you know and I'm scared of. My goodness gracious, what, what are they going to do? Then you drive up to the academy, and 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 it's you know you see students walking around in uniforms. Uh, they're marching. They're business uh, oriented because they're going from one class to the next in seven minutes. Uh, their heads are down. The freshmen can't look at some people or salute. You know, have to salute everybody. They can't walk on the middle of the walkways. They have to walk on the rubble strips on the side. They can't carry their backpack on their back. They got to hold it and run. We said, what are we doing? What am I getting myself into? And then we have our first team meeting, and they're great guys. They're great guys. They came off that Final Four run in the NIT, but they were all graduating. Jake Birchie led that group. They're all seniors. They're all leaving. So it's the younger guys coming up. And then, okay, workouts tomorrow. When are we going? Morning, late? No, no. We can't get them until 2.30, and we got until 4.30 unless it's a military day. And then, and then your schedule. I mean, wow. And then your list of recruits, and you're calling up kids, and they have three Division three offers in you, and then they decide not to even play basketball, but they still won't come to the academy because they don't want to do the military. And I, oh, my gosh. You're just getting no's and no's and no's. And at that time, your dad put me on a kid, six, seven kid out of California, and I really liked him. He was going to UW-Milwaukee and had a good career, and I can't think of his name right now because he called, and, and we got in touch with him, and he was a tough kid. He could shoot the ball, six, seven rebounds. And he he came to visit, and then there's just no way he wanted to do this. And he ends up going to Milwaukee and had a pretty good career there. I can't, and I, again, I can't remember his name, but you know we're just missing out on guys. And then the guys we're taking, we're beating, you know, we're beating uh, 
uh, goodness gracious, Texas Tyler, or beating uh, uh, Cal, uh, Cal San Diego, and we'll beat D2s, and, and, and everybody else in the league is getting, you know, who they're getting. And I said, oh my gosh, this, this thing's not going to be, you know, because when we line up a play, we're not going to have the guys that they have. So it's, it's a difference. Remind me, so you're there for four years, and then did, did Jeff get fired mid-year? Did he resign mid-year? What happened? Yeah, the administration came in. We were struggling, winning some games, and, you know, maybe coaching tactics or whatever it may be. Someone likes, someone doesn't like, and caught me off guard. So I come in one day, and he's in a meeting in his office across the hall from me, and the AD and assistant AD comes out, and he says, you got a minute? I come in, he goes, I just got fired. I said, what? What? And, and then selfish, uh, you know, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, my son's ready to go to college. I got to pay for college. My daughter, uh, you know, I'm thinking, what am I going to do? You know, here I am all the way out here. Not a lot of contacts out this way. And I'm thinking, and he said, they're going to call you upstairs in 15 minutes and name you interim head coach and, and go do it. And hopefully maybe they'll keep you. And he goes, I apologize. But whatever reason, they're going in a different direction. And I said, oh, my gosh. And so it, it happened back then. We had the Mount West Network, you know, and so there was things on TV that day. They interviewed our players, some of our players. We are a little bit. Fractured, uh, fractured there at the time. Uh, guys going different ways, and and uh, and I said, "Oh my gosh!" So here we go, and we didn't even practice that day. So just clear your heads, and, and then our first game was against Boise State that Saturday. That was our bye week. We just got beat at Colorado State the game prior to, and Jeff was ejected late in the game for a second technical. And I don't think that had anything to do with it, but it didn't show well on TV. And uh, um, Actually, my son was a freshman at the time. He was a manager for 10 Miles at Colorado State, so he's in the locker room videotaping the game. They're up 20. 10 Miles sends uh, another manager in to go get Kyle out because I coached the last, what, 11 minutes of the game so he can be on the floor. And we lose. We're off Sunday. Uh, they made that decision on Monday. And, and then we played Boise that Saturday. got beat. We go to Wyoming the next Wednesday. And we coach Shite's the best there is. And we go up there, and we're down 11 nothing to start the game. I think I said to myself, we're going to be the first team that calls basketball never scores a basket. <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. So this is your first game as head coach? Second game. Second game. We lose the boys in the first game. Okay. Well, so, 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 again, you're, you're doing that thing, okay? Yeah. Y- you had coached for 20 years at this point? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 20-something. Okay. 20-plus. So yeah. it's your first game as interim head coach. And you're taking on Boise State, good program, well coached, okay? Yeah. And so, what what do you remember? Like, what is that like to have you waited your whole life and you thought I'll be a D three head coach? Now you're the head coach at Air Force Academy in the middle yeah. of the year. What 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 yep. what do you remember about that first game? About that for, like that is my uh, uh, the, the expression I've always said. There's no bigger move in the country than the 18 inches yep. from a, assistant coach to head coach. What was that like? Yep. You know, you're worried about everything, everything, everything. Pre-game meal, uh, warm-up's going to be okay, you know, substitutions, and what do I do here, timeouts, what do I do here, everything. Your head's spinning. And the game was on CBS Sports. Coach Lapis had the game, and he walked in the office before the game and said, hey, how you doing? And he talked for about five, ten minutes. I really respected that. He said, hey, just do what you do. Be who you are. You can't be anybody else and enjoy it. And he said that because there's only 300 some of these out there right now. And you got one of them. He said, enjoy it. And um, 
So we go out there and we, we get off to a good start. We got the lead early, 17-12, I remember, and then they take the lead at halftime. In the second half, we were exhausted. Just everything that went on. They were better than us, first and foremost, but then everything that week that transpired, our guys were gassed. And uh, so we ended up losing that game, and here we go. Now we got to reset, recharge in here on Sunday. Okay, wait, so, so you, you lose the – wait, you wait your whole professional career for yeah. this opportunity, you know? Do you remember, like, yep. what your wife said? Like, are you thinking? Because, because here, here's, I'll give you my, my a, a quick personal. So, yep. like, I coached AU basketball, and I've, you know, I've, I've coached in different tournaments. So, I coached the Maccabi Games team in in Israel, yep. and we do workout the summer before we do workouts and tryouts. And I feel like, all right, like it just felt normal running a practice, and you know, I'd see my dad doing. I'd seen a million practices. I felt like I. I felt like my offensive philosophy was sound. Defensively, I was a little, you know, how you guard different actions. I was a little, eh, I, I had more philosophy than seeing it play out. I'll never forget, yep. we, we practiced for a couple of days in, uh, in, 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 at Fairfield University. Then we fly to Tel Aviv. We practiced for a couple of days, and then we scrimmaged the under-20 national team. And we have some guys a little bit older. We have one 26-year-old kid, one 22 but the rest of you know you're it's age appropriate but you know i mean this is a national team they play together forever so we go yeah. out there and i start two big guys because i'm an idiot and we're down 18 2 to start the game and i remember sitting there going and i had interviewed for the oklahoma state job before that summer before but you know before yep. the and you know i had full confidence that i could hire the people that knew what i didn't know but i i you know, it's basketball. You know what you're doing. And yeah, I remember yeah. thinking to myself, holy shit, I don't know what the hell I'm doing here, right? And I made some adjustments, and we got competitive and whatever, and, and I felt like by, by the time I walked out the door that day, I, I didn't have full confidence that I would win the tournament, but I was like, maybe I don't know as little as I thought when we were down 18-2, to two, but the 18-2 to two was alarming. I'm wondering, when you walked out of Clune that day, and... uh and you lost your first game, was there any, holy shit, maybe I can't do this or I can't fix this thing? Yeah, you have, you have that doubt because of some things that happen in the game, like you're saying, and maybe uh, a lineup blunder you have or a defense assignment you don't do. And you're thinking, I'm thinking to myself, okay, it's a lot harder than you think. You know, you know sometimes you yeah. sit on that other seat and you have all the answers. Hell, you Oh, yeah. I mean, hey, I'm, well, I'm broadcasting yeah. a game. I know everything everybody's supposed to do. Yeah. And I said, not only did I not have the answers, I didn't even know the questions. Um, and I said to myself, I'd love to just win one Division One game. One Division One game. That would be awesome. You know, here's a kid who grew up in an apartment above a bar and didn't have a lot, and now I'm coaching at the Air Force Academy, and I never can get in here because I'm not smart enough. And if we can win one game, that would be awesome, you know? And uh, so you, you keep – and we had a great staff that was together, and, and, you, and you don't want to change a lot, but yet – there's some things you may need to tweak, right? And you only have a little bit of time to change it. So then we lose that game, and they said we prepare and we go up to Laramie to play Wyoming, and they had a pretty good team. And we go up there and we're down 11 up in the start. So now you're really thinking, goodness gracious, this is bad. And it's on the Mountain Network, and people are watching it. You say, you may not score. We're bad. We may not win a game. We're going to lose these guys. So you call a timeout, and I really said this to the guys, and they come and they're looking at you and they're wondering. They want the answer. I said, guys, we're fine. We're fine. Just relax. I said, we got it right where we want them. I said, we're not living nothing. They're going to be overconfident. They're going to start jacking some shots. We're going to get right back in this thing. You know, and I'm wondering, oh, my gosh. And we do. We end up getting back into it, and we end up winning the game. 
we end up winning the game up there on the road, and we've not won on the road, and we win that game. In, and, in Wyoming, but, like in Wyoming, Laramie, 7,000 plus feet, and against Larry yeah. Shiat, who everybody knows can coach his butt off. Like, yeah. okay, so what's yeah. that? What, what's that? What bus ride back to Denver? Or did you guys fly right out of Laramie? What's that like? Bus back. And, you know, and I remember walking down to shake his hand after the game, and the first thing I said to him, sorry. You know, and he goes, What are you sorry for? Great job. I'm happy for you. You know, keep doing what you're doing. He's just the best. He's the best there yeah, is. And, unbelievable uh, guy. And, and we could have walked home. You know, we were so excited. We thought we were on a national championship. I mean, we were, you know, we beat, we beat Wyoming and haven't won since, you know, six weeks before that. And it was just great for the kids, for them to rejoice and, 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 and take part of that. So now we get home, you know, three in the morning. And who do we play on Saturday? But uh, San Diego State. And I'm looking at the balls on my wall here, and I think at that time they were 20, 21st in the country. And uh, and I remember, and they were really good. They were really good with the Franklins and uh, um, uh, Tapley. I mean, they were good. Yeah. And I remember before the game, about an hour and a half before the game, I'm coming out of the coach's locker room just changing, and they're coming in, and Coach Fisher grabs me. And he's another, the best, the best. And he says, hey, Dave, you know, I'm sorry for everything that happened with Jeff. Are you Okay. He said, is there anything I could ever do to help you? Let me know. Um, he goes, you know, I was in your position at one point. I said, yeah, Coach, but you won six straight one national championship. <laughs> you know, uh, as an interim coach of Michigan, you know, laughing with him. And he goes, no, if there's anything I could ever do, you know, let me know. And he goes, good luck to you and stay in touch. And I, I thought that meant a lot coming from him. And we went out there, and Tapley was hurt that game. His wrist was hurting. He wasn't real good. And we just hung around, chucked up some shots, and we ended up upsetting them, you know, and they were – you know, ranked 21st, the highest up, uh, upset of a ranked team ever in the history of Air Force. So we're 2-1 and one now. Kids rush the crowd. I mean, the crowd, uh, we had a decent crowd that game. They jump on the floor. They rush the floor, and our kids felt happy. We just beat a ranked team, and we're 2-1 and one now, you know, in my three games. So, uh, you know, it's crazy. It's crazy. And uh, we play the next game at home against TCU, and we're up three late. Uh, Miss a, miss a scoring opportunity. They come down, score, go. We go up one. We come down, don't score our last possession. They hit a shot, the buzzer beat us. We could actually win up three and one. Went up, went to be three and one. We were two and two. And then we didn't win another game the rest of the year. We lose the Mount West games and we lose the first round, the Mount West tournament. But prior to going to the Mount West tournament, the administration came down and awarded me with a three year contract, uh, to stay. And so that was, that was big right there. What, what, what is that feeling like? You know, now, First thing, okay, we're going to be able to pay for college. My son's at CSU, and uh, so we'll get him through school, and then our daughter's going to be next. So we got three years to make this thing right. And just Coach Lapis's words in my mind, there's a, at that time there was 351, or 345, I think. He goes, there's 345 of these out there. And if this opened tomorrow, you'd have 2,000 applicants. You know, even exaggerate. But he goes, you've got one of the Division One head coaching jobs. Try to enjoy it. Try to enjoy it. And so that that was the. By the way, another there. prince of a guy, just another another. Yeah. Like I've I've worked with him, and yeah. I would also say kind of the we had the same thing when I was at CBS. We were doing games together, and yeah, yeah. we would like kind of we would verbally kind of spar like back and forth, coach and player, and yes, we you would. loved it. Yes, you would, and uh-huh. and I had a I, I had a boss who at the, you know a guy who was like. He came to a game in Vegas. He's like, oh, are "You guys okay?" We're like, what are you talking about? It's like, yeah. well, you guys were kind of going back and forth. I was like. That's how basketball people are, right? A coach and a player, right, like it was right. beautiful. Yeah, and it wasn't it wasn't his call. It was there was one guy back in New York. I'll leave his yep. name out of it, who 
wasn't comfortable with like he he just wanted everybody to wrap their arms around each other and hug each other during the game. Like, all right, but it was real. Anyway, I think Lapis is an absolute prince of a guy. And yeah. you know, he, yeah, you know, he's and and that's uh, it's a great way of looking at it, right? It's a, uh, yeah. Billis has told me the same thing about doing games. You know, everybody gets pissed when they get their games, and you're like, hey, yeah. man, you're getting paid to call basketball games. Like a little perspective yeah. here. Like, yeah, you know, you're you're you're, you're right, Jay. You're you're right. Yeah. Um. Okay, so you you get it, but now, okay, now you have the job that you wanted, but it's a yeah. really really hard job and it's been hard to yeah. get it back to that to that place yeah. where it was you know yeah. uh you know going back 10 10 years ago what is no what, what's the biggest the biggest challenge obviously is getting players like do you yeah. do you simply have your staff look for people that are military families like what's the process like of finding a player when you're at air force well it's high academics so we're ivy league standards and then you know we lose a lot of kids because of uh, medical reasons you can't be on any type of medication and a lot of kids are on add medication and that that's a non non-go here so we lost a really good minority player a couple of years ago six seven was really skilled that was uh had asthma we lost some add we have lost maybe an, uh, a minor vision or hearing ailment that was fine anywhere else or whatever it may be so that's hard. The academics are hard. The, the part about the medical is hard. And then the commitment, you know, five years, mommy, you know, sometimes I think uh, little Joey's going to go off to war. That's not the case, you know. There are some deployment opportunities in your career field, but there's a lot that aren't. So it's really hard fighting all that. And then what's changed, as you know, in college basketball landscape now is the transfers. You know, Man. back in the day where teams would get young again, they're not getting young anymore. They're staying old because of the transfers. And that has been really, you know, the Mountain West has really benefited from that. You know, muscle memory did Nevada, um, New Mexico, what they're doing, transfer, San Diego State, even their backcourt this year. Vegas has done it over the year. Everyone, you know, Boise's now loading up. So when you think you can get your guys to juniors and seniors and now you got a chance, well, guess what? Those other teams are going to stay juniors and seniors too now. So that's been probably our hardest obstacle. You, you know, you have this kid, Lavelle Scotty, who comes from a really yeah. tough background, really tough yeah. background. Uh, in Fort Worth, and now he's like a senior. You, you yep. talked about your initial, what you wanted to do was be a Division three coach and be yep. a part of kind of the change from boy to man, and you've been able to do that with Lavelle, haven't you? Yep, yep, yep. And he's well, how's, how's, how's he cha- How has he changed? What, what has that been like to be his coach and watch him go through this process for the last four years? You know. You know, Lavelle comes from a tough, tough family background where he's kind of the breadwinner of the family. He's taking care of his siblings and his mom and dad over the years while he's been here because they do receive a stipend here. And uh, it's been some rough times with his mom and dad have gone through back there, and he's had to go home and take care of them and make sure they're getting what they need. And when he came here, he just didn't sit with some of the other guys who were at the academy, non-athletes too, just because of their background. You know, some of them are coming from – Parents are senators or congressmen or doctors, and, you know, they went to the academy, and it's that three-car garage kid. And, uh, yeah. you know, Lavelle had that. And I just said, if there's one I'm going to bet on it's not going to make, it's going to be him. But he was determined to make it, and he's extremely bright. And made it through the prep school and then came here to the academy. And, uh, you know, like even this year, he didn't go home for Christmas. You know, he didn't he didn't go home for Christmas. He was the only player to stay here. And, uh, and uh, just because it was better for him to be here. And... Uh, 
And, you know, we lose Saturday night, as you know, down in New Mexico, and then, you, you know, what happens Saturday night to one of their players. And Sunday I'm sitting in my office here watching film, and he comes by to get some shooting in. And I said, hey, did you hear about, you know, the player in New Mexico? He said, no, I didn't. And I said, I, said, I just appreciate you and, and your teammates of how you guys are and how you represent. And he goes, well, Coach, we can't do those things here. And I said, not only you can't do them, but you wouldn't do them. He goes, no, I want to. He goes, that's not who I am. And, you know, you respect that. And that's the kind of kids you have here. Uh, they make better choices. Now, they're going to make some bad choices. Don't get me wrong. You know, we got kids that make some choices that aren't right because they're still kids. But, you know, I appreciate that. And when he's come through, it, it, when he graduates here, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a story that's unbelievable that he'll graduate and be an officer in the Air Force from what yeah. he came from and what he had to go through while he was here. And not really only that, he's been a pretty good player. He's uh, been, been a really good player. Uh, I got I got two more yeah. for you. First is this. Yep. If there's a there's an assistant coach who is struggling right now, you've been on, you've been you've coached some bad teams, been assistant on bad teams, right? Yep. And yep. and it feels like it feels like man, maybe I'm maybe I should go into medical sales, you know? Maybe I maybe I should take a high school job or whatever. What right. would what would you say to them to get them kind of mid year when things are bad? What would you say to them from your perspective to keep them going? Um you got at this for a reason, and the reason was to help kids and, and be a part of a team because that's always what you've done. Continue to work and build that team. Don't look for that next job or think about we're not going to get this done. Keep making that the best job you have. Keep making and working for that head coach who gave you an opportunity um, to be the best head coach he can be in the best program he can be. And keep doing what you've done all your life because you've always tried to make the team or be in the starting five. Do whatever because you've grown up in this sport. Keep doing the right things and good things will happen. All right, last la- last thing. Um, you do have a senior. You have a couple of really good seniors, and yep. you guys have had some. You guys have had some huge wins. In order yep. to in order to to what what has to happen for your team to accomplish your potential this year? We got to stay healthy first and foremost, and then we've got to shoot the basketball at a higher rate than we did. You know, we took some questionable shots and early shots and bad shots on Saturday, eight of twenty-eight from three. We got to be better from the three, and then we can't turn the ball over at the rate we did in that game. Uh, especially, you know, we only five in the second half, but we we turned four over. We're really crucial, so we've got to shoot it and take better shots at the rate we can because we're one of the better shooting teams, and and and. and and, and protect the ball a little bit better because we can't give open run. We have, we have three bad plays where they got dunks on the other end. Six yep. points, we lose by six. There's no defense, as you know, for that. That's, you know, it's a yeah. pick six. So we got a little bit better at that. And because and this group really gets along well, we've got, you know, 13 more. You know, we can pick a few here and there. Then uh, maybe we'll have some fun here at the end of the year. Well, listen, it, it's always great to catch up. I had no idea you grew up above a bar. Um, yeah. but it, it does give you that perspective of even when you, you lose a couple in a row, if you consider where you've been and where you've gotten to and this run that you've had at Air Force and the lives that the academy and your program have been able to change, it's, it's really a remarkable thing. Thanks so much for telling me your story and, and for joining me on the podcast. Well, I appreciate it, and I appreciate all you do for our game. Keep doing great things. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Hey, my thanks to Dave Pilipovich, head coach of Air Force, for uh, that was a fun discussion. Remember, you can download and listen to any of these uh, long-form interviews plus some other thoughts on Hoop with, with All Ball. Subscribe, rate, 
uh, it was, what is it? Uh, download, subscribe, and rate. Download, subscribe, and rate. And uh, make sure you listen to my daily radio show, which covers all sports. But we also have great interviews on that as well. 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, the iHeartRadio app, Sirius XM 217 and 203. There you go. Those are all the places that you can find me or just hit me up on Twitter at Gottlieb Show. I'm Doug Gottlieb, and this is All Ball. Get right to the romance and find the way to wow this Valentine's with 1-800-Flowers.com. From classic roses and bouquets to decadent chocolate-covered berries, gourmet treats, and more, surprise your Valentine with 1-800-Flowers.com. Right now, get the 18-stem Enchanted Rose Medley for $39.99 or upgrade to 24 red roses for $10 more. Go to 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. That's 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct, but most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.